0: It's time to eat. Get in my belly.
1: Sit down and get
0: ready to consume an abundance of fantasy football knowledge from Ross Tucker and Evan Silva. Me so hungry. On the Fantasy Feast Eaten Podcast. Yeah, let's eat, baby. It is the Fantasy Feast Eating Podcast. You know it. You love it. You know that we are presented always by betonline.ag, your online sports book experts, and that the promo code is podcast1. You also know that he is Evan Silva. He's the star of the show. Thoroughly enjoy working with my man, Evan, each and every week. And. Love the off-season shows. I know why people love the August ranking shows, Tears of Evan. I know why people listen during the season for tips for their team. I get it. Totally get it. But these off-season shows, highly, highly entertaining. Evan, of course, dominates over at Roto World, and I encourage you to check him out on Twitter at Evan Silva. I'm Ross Tucker, former NFL offensive lineman, If you listen to this podcast for a while, you already know that, but hey, could have new listeners each and every episode, which is great, especially when we have awesome guests on like we do today. You can hit me up on social media. I'm at Ross Tucker NFL, Twitter and Instagram. If you're a Facebook dude, it's facebook.com slash Ross Tucker NFL. Bunch of podcasts for you. Uh, You'll really enjoy Even Money podcast this week. We dove into the season win total numbers for the AFC. So Steve talked about Steve Fezzik talked about the increase, the decrease, where the betting numbers had come in. We gave our initial reaction about over, under, just right. So check out the Even Money podcast this week for sure if you haven't already. And then on tomorrow's Ross Tucker Football Podcast, we got Greg Cosell breaking down. The D-line like nobody else does. He had some really interesting comments to say about guys like Ed Oliver, about Brian Burns, and even about Quinnen Williams. I-, I thought that was interesting. By the way, before I forget, before we get to Evan, uh, before we get to our guest, Evan, I-, I did want to mention one thing. It's a few days in April already. Mother's Day will be here before you know it. And I just wanted to give you guys a heads up on something. It's called myfrontpagestory.com. This is not like a paid endorsement or anything. It's actually a company that I heard about, I invested in, and I love it. Picture this. While you're driving in the car for 10 minutes, you talk to a reporter about your mom or your wife. They write an unbelievable story about them, send it to you. And it looks like it's on the cover of the newspaper with a beautiful picture. You get it framed. Best Mother's Day gift ever. I pretty much guarantee your mom and or your wife will cry. Myfrontpagestory.com. I'm just telling you, like over 100 guys got them for Valentine's Day. And it was awesome. They send us videos of their wives crying and said it's the best gift they ever gave them. Pretty darn cool. Myfrontpagestory.com. Yet again, we have an awesome guest this week. Absolutely love talking with a different guy each week, one of Evan's homeboys. Today, it is Ryan McDowell. You need to follow him on Twitter, at RyanMc23, MC23. Ryan actually does a podcast with my guy, Matt Williamson, and I see Matt tweet that Dub, who i used to work with at the four letter Networks. So i actually thought because of that i thought ryan had already been on the fantasy feast before i think it's just i see uh Dub posting when you guys do your show so why don't, why don't we start with that ryan what show do you and uh, Dub do it's dynasty right
2: yeah yeah it's called the dynasty blueprint and <clears throat> once um once Matt left that four-letter network you, you're speaking of, he uh, he wanted to keep podcasting, reached out to me about starting a Dynasty podcast, and we've been doing that ever since.
0: It's awesome. Uh, I love it. Now, give us your background, Ryan, because anybody that is making a career or is in the industry or, frankly, is to the level where Evan really wants to get them on the show, I always like hearing you know how they got to that point.
2: Sure. So... Uh, it's it's actually not not my full-time career, but uh, I'm, I'm a teacher uh, as as my day job, uh, but just started playing dynasty fantasy football about uh, about fifteen years ago or so. <clears throat> and then seven years ago, uh, once Twitter was really picking up, I was pretty active on there in that in that fantasy football community. Uh, the guys from Dynasty League football reached out, asked me to, start doing some writing for them i'm still with them uh, to this day so almost almost seven years later and a couple years after that in, in 2014 i noticed that roto world had an opening their their guy who covered dynasty for them was stepping away i reached out to evan and uh, things worked out so i've been with roto world since 2014 that's awesome where do you live uh, just outside of louisville kentucky okay what do you teach I teach third grade. Wow, that is awesome. Yeah, so so we cover it all. Do you try to get those third graders into your dynasty leagues and hustle them for their money? Uh, I try. <laughs> there's an, there's enough suckers out there. I don't have to I don't have to do that. But uh, it, I, I I do talk about you know the writing process that I go through and and uh, show them some of my articles and things like that. So I think that kind of helps. Helps relate in that way, especially when we're we're doing writing stuff. I,
0: th- I feel like third grade is when kids kind of start to get into fantasy football, though, don't they?
2: Um, yeah. I mean, probably not anymore. At least not with the group that uh, that I'm around. Uh, you know, they're they're into video games still and, and things like that. I, we actually don't have too many that are that are really into sports at all, unfortunately.
0: Wow. That's that's really interesting. Uh, well, awesome. Lo- love the background and love anybody that kind of had to hustle their way with Twitter and reaching out and Evan and everything. So really happy to have you aboard and very, very fired up for the Dynasty rookie draft we're going to have. And Evan, I want you to explain. I think we did. We might have done something similar last year, but w- the importance of doing this at least once before the draft, before the players actually land in specific spots with specific teams? So,
1: absolutely, the NFL draft itself and the landing spots are going to play a big role in how dynasty rookie drafts go. But this is also a way uh, to keep us kind of honest. Are we... um, you know, right now we're really just ranking guys like in in terms of talent. You know what what Ryan and I are going to do is a two round dynasty rookie mock draft, and it's really going to be just based off how much do we believe in the players themselves. Um, but then when we have you know some of the answers to the test, like what teams are the guys going to be playing for, we're going to have a little bit more confident opinions. Those com- the, the confidence of those opinions can be. You know, it, it can be faux. I mean, it, it can it can mislead us. Um, but also, but at least we're going to have more of a blueprint blueprint right now. now. This particular rookie class is really interesting because I mean, it's crazy. The opinions are all over the place. Usually, at this time, we have like a consensus top five. I'm not even sure that we can say that we have a consensus top five right now. The running backs. Um, in this class are I mean it's a really really weak running back class I think that a lot of people some people say it's deep and you know maybe that's true but I think it's just people squinting um, to try to justify to themselves uh, that all these guys have a chance you know if you like if you like use your mind to like put guys in the perfect spot then yeah I mean you could come up with five or six guys that might make impacts at the running back position but you know the the best running back I think is Josh Jacobs. The guy had 120 carries last year. At his pro day, he ran, uh, at, you know, at best four five two, and at worst four six four. Um, you know, and then at the wide receiver position, it's great. I mean, there are some awesome big receivers uh, as prospects, but no one has them ranked the same way, I think. And then at tight end, there are some great prospects up top. And then it falls off pretty pretty drastically after about four or five guys. So it's going to be really interesting to see um, how Ryan and I go back and forth on this, and just Ryan's comments because Ryan pays attention to this stuff like year round, like even during the regular season. I don't, you know, I start to look at it um, after the um, you know just as I'm breaking down the NFL draft itself. But it's going to be really interesting to hear Ryan's comments on, you know, how how much guys have risen just within the past couple of months based on the senior bowl, the combine, et cetera, et cetera.
0: Love it. All right. Let's get going.
1: All right, Ryan, you start us off.
2: All right. Uh, Before I make this pick, I I just want to say I, I think that's really an interesting point you made, Evan, about guys like me who are watching these players year-round and and really throughout their college career versus others like you who are, are basically trying to play catch-up at this point. I, I had a good conversation uh, last year, I believe, with Matt Harmon, who I, I think you guys have probably had him on the show. And Matt's in the same position that you that you are. He doesn't necessarily watch a ton of college football. and And we kind of got to the point that, we decided that could be a, kind of a good thing. Just that fresh set of eyes, and you don't have those those preconceived notions about players. Maybe you don't even identify or, or recognize who was the top recruit. And I think sometimes we stick these players at the top of our ranks uh, because they were top recruits, because they were uh, they had success early in their college career, and we just kind of give them the the benefit of the doubt. I, honestly, I think that's why a lot of Dynasty players got stuck with Laquan Treadwell. Uh, he yeah. he was in that exact same situation, and and I, I fell into that trap myself. So um, I definitely still pay attention to college football and to these these top players throughout the year, but I also try to be uh, cognizant of of that uh, that danger that trap. All yeah. right, so I'm going to go ahead and make this first pick. It's it's a tough one, Evan. You and I have, have talked about this a little bit over these. Over the past few days, I'm not sure there's a great top choice right now. The the guy I'm gonna take is Hakeem Butler, the wide receiver from Iowa State. Just a huge dude. He's 6'5, uh great ball skills, high points the ball. He he's a deep threat. Some some concerns though with his hands, lots of drops. Uh, I, I don't I don't think any of these guys are perfect. You kind of alluded to that, Evan. And and the real concern now with Butler is is he going to be a first-round pick? Because yeah. if he's not, there's no way you can take him with the first overall pick. So uh, that would, even that draft capital that you, you spoke of earlier, that's that's going to uh, impact things. And if Butler's not in the first round, you, you certainly can't take him with the 101. And if I'm sitting there in in a real league, a real dynasty league with that 101 pick, I'd much rather trade down, give me a a mid first and a late first, something like that. I think that's maybe the better option than, than taking a shot on one of these guys. Yeah, that's, that's
1: perfect. I think that's really good analysis and think, and something that people can start to think about with Hakeem Butler. It's really interesting because um, there's a group of, of football analysts that love him. And then there's a group of football analysts that are really, really low on him. Like, Daniel Jeremiah doesn't even have him as a top 50 prospect, and that's not me, like, trying to call out Daniel Jeremiah. I love Daniel Jeremiah. I think he's awesome, and I, I read everything that he puts out. Um, but he also gets information from, you know, from teams, from actual NFL teams. And then uh, Lance Zierlein does as well. Lance Zierlein has Hakeem Butler as the wide receiver 13 in the draft. Now, I talked to Lance recently, and he was like, yeah, I'm going to go back and watch him. Because, you know, you got Greg Cosell out here comparing him to A.J. Green. You got Waldman of football guys, you know, um, saying he's one of the best prospects that he's ever studied. And so just the – but the wide variance of opinions on Akeem Butler makes him – you know, it's like, Mike. will this guy go in the third round? Like, if the guy goes in the third round or something, then it's – you know, we're going to have to move him down the board because, as you mentioned – I think the draft capital itself, not even necessarily the teams as much, but draft capital itself, where, like, where in the draft these guys are selected is going to go a long way towards determining um, where they are drafted after the draft in Dynasty rookie drafts. Uh, for number two, I'm going to go with um, A.J. Brown. Uh, to me, he reminded me a lot of Juju Smith-Schuster when I saw him play. He played in the same offense as D.K. Metcalf. Was way 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 more productive. Uh, moved inside and out. Saw him play a lot in the slot, and I think he's a mismatch there. I think he's better as a player than Nikhil Harry, uh, who might go next. Will probably go pretty soon. Uh, but I, I'm a really a big fan of AJ Brown. I'm, I'm taking him uh, second overall.
2: Yeah, I like that. I like that AJ Brown pick a lot. Uh, looking at, at my rankings and just how they've changed even just in these two or three months of the off season, I've already ranked three different players as my top rookie available. And, uh, you know, maybe that's a case of me being a little wishy-washy, but I, I think it really speaks to uh, the class, especially the, uh, the top of this draft class and, and just how, you know, kind of how jumbled up they are really. Um, so A.J. Brown is, is not one of those guys, but he's, he's really close. Uh, so I definitely endorse that pick at, at 1.02. I'm going to take the guy you mentioned, Nikhil Harry, at the three spot. Uh, he is He's a player that I would say at this point pre-draft is the favorite to be the 101 in most rookie drafts. Uh, I run some mock drafts for Dynasty League football. We we use that to collect and build ADP data so Nikhil Harry has been the number two player in February, number one player in March, number one player in April. So he's he's certainly uh, certainly up there. And like I said, the, he's probably the favorite right now to be that 101. Uh, he's he's also a versatile receiver. He can go in or out. He, he's he's going to offer something in the return game. I think when it's all said and done, he'll be a late first rounder in the NFL draft. And, and that will give him that draft capital that we're looking for.
1: Yeah, that would certainly help him. Um, he checks a lot of boxes. You know, he he tested as a great athlete. He's big. Uh, he had a lot of run-after-catch production. Um, he had a, just a lot of production overall. I mean, he was a dominant three-year player at Arizona State. And, yeah, I mean, I think that he's a, a high-floor pick. I mean, I think he's going to be, at very worst, like a, a plus NFL starter. And I think he might end up kind of being more of a big slot receiver, but it'll be really interesting to see, uh, how, how his, his career trajectory, he's a lot younger than, than Butler, I believe as well. Um, but yeah, I mean, real, real solid prospect Josh Norris. And I actually did a, a podcast, um, on five or six specific receivers. You can check that out on, on Roto world football, uh, for the next pick, I'm going to go with Josh Jacobs. Um, DK Metcalf now is starting to fall a little bit, but for Josh Jacobs, I, I think it's a trust the tape situation. I think he's a really good player, and you can see that when he is, um, you know, when you watch him play. Um, he did not have a lot of production, you know. Last year he had 120 carries, and um, he did. He has not tested great uh, at his pro day uh, this off season, but. Again, I'm trusting my eyes here, and I'm trusting, you know, like Daniel Jeremiah has him as the number eight overall player in the draft. I think he's the running back in this draft, maybe the only running back who has a chance to be a first-round actual NFL pick, Um, and, you know, if we see a team invest top 32, top 40 draft capital into Josh Jacobs, that's going to bode well for his NFL career, and he just his chances of getting a lot of opportunities and so much of this, especially in fantasy is about just sheer opportunity.
2: Jacobs is is obviously an interesting case as he uh, was a backup throughout his career. I've kind of compared him, not, not necessarily his play style, but just his, his dynasty value and and fantasy football value to what we saw last year from Sony Michelle, who, who was essentially kind of the one B for Georgia throughout his college career. He had a a great late run there at the end of uh, last season. And then he ends up as a, as a first round pick to the Patriots. Uh, I think we could see the same thing with Jacobs, like you said. Uh, With the 1.05, I'm going to take DK Metcalf and, and this is another just, just really interesting case. Of course, we, we've all seen the pictures of uh, him in the weight room and, and just blown away by that. He came out and and, and dominated the combine, uh, especially when it comes to that 4-D time. I think he ran a 4.33. We were all wowed by that, especially at, for a guy his size. He's 6'3", 228. And then the, the weird thing that happened with him, though, from a fantasy perspective is in these mock drafts, his value actually dropped. In February, he was the number one player off the board, the number one rookie we all wanted. And since that combine, He's falling. Uh, so now he, he's he's three overall now in our ADP, and maybe that's related to those uh, those agility drills. I'm I'm not really sure what it is, honestly, but fantasy owners are at least a, a little scared of Metcalf at the top of the draft. I, I think here at the five spot, that's where you're willing to, to take a chance on his upside.
1: Yeah, no question. I think he's a no-brainer at number five, and, and even as someone who has a little bit of skepticism, about him uh, myself i mean i think that he is i think that he is more of like a complimentary number two receiver as opposed to you know a big volume number one receiver and you know what we want in fantasy is the big volume number one receiver and i think i don't think it's out of the question that he could become that but i think that just from watching him play at Ole Miss, seeing how he was deployed along with the other receivers there. They had another dude who's going to get drafted late, DeMarcus Lodge. They have a um, tight end that people are talking about maybe being a second-day pick. He had had zero touchdowns in his college career. Uh, Dawson Knox, and I think he had like 53 catches or something. Uh, Maybe not even like 43 catches, something like that. But they've got a bunch of dudes that – are going to get drafted. You could see how the how they were all deployed, and I, I think that you know for DK Metcalf, he he stuck to one side. You did not see him moving into the slot as much. You did not see him running a wide variety of routes. So you know, I just I don't know if if that's in his toolbox to become a guy that uh, is the focal point of a passing attack. Uh, whereas I think that A.J. Brown showed in that same offense that he was capable of that. Uh, number six, Miles Sanders. Now, Greg Cosell, I know, has him as his number two running back in the draft. Greg Gabriel has Miles Sanders as his number one running back in the draft. I watched him before the draft. I thought he reminded me of Devontae Freeman before the draft. He go, I'm sorry, for the combine. Um, and then so he goes to the combine. He had a really good combine. Now, uh, Ryan, I know that you have some interesting thoughts on Miles Sanders.
2: Yeah, this this is a guy who is just blowing up the past three months when, when we've seen nothing uh, when it comes to football other than the combine. And And he did have, as you mentioned, he had a good combine, but I don't think that's all it is. His dynasty ADP, his rookie ADP, went from 19 overall to 6 overall. So this is a guy who's gained a full round of value. And when you're talking about a rookie draft, I mean, that that's a huge jump in these in these off-season months. And I think what it is, uh, I think it's probably a little bit of echo chamber, uh, fantasy players reading some of the analysis that you're talking about where, uh, where people are ranking him as the RB1, the RB2 in the class. But I also think part of it is... Uh, general fantasy players, you know, guys like yourself who maybe don't focus so much on the on the college football season, this is not a guy who was at the front of our minds because he played behind Saquon Barkley yep. for two years. He finally gets his chance when, when Barkley goes uh, to the NFL this year, and, and he had a dominant college season. So I, I think essentially this is a guy that – most people were just not aware of. He was, uh, he was a top three recruit in his, in his class. I mean, he, 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 this guy has it all really. Um, so, and I'm, I'm one who was also kind of late to the party on him. Uh, I saw him 19th overall, as I mentioned in our February ADP, I actually thought that was too high. I kind of questioned some people even taking him that high. And Evan, I told you this the other day, it's kind of funny to look back on it now, even, even a couple months ago, uh, Elijah Holyfield was actually being drafted ahead of him in these mock drafts.
1: Yeah, and Elijah Holyfield, who what went to the combine and ran like four seven five or something? Yes.
2: Yeah.
1: Yeah.
2: Yeah. So, yeah pretty but, crazy. Uh, let's see. With the seventh pick, I'm going to stick at running back. I'm going to take uh, the the third running back off the board, and I I see a little bit of a of a teardrop after this player to the next group. So I'm going to take David Montgomery, the Iowa State running back. Uh, yep. re- really a physical runner. Breaks tackles. I, I believe he was uh, he was number one in PFF's a broken tackle metric, maybe even two years in a row. I, I'll have to check that. But he, he's a solid receiver. For him, long speed is the concern. Uh, but, uh, again, you're getting this guy in the middle of the first round in rookie drafts, probably going to be an early second rounder. Uh, feels feels like a pretty good value.
1: Yeah, I like to watch him play a lot. Um the thing is that he gets caught from behind little, literally every single time that he gets into the open field. <laughs> I mean, he never ever finishes off, you know, like like a house call run. I mean, I think he had um Hayden Winks had some stats on him. He had like zero touchdowns from outside the red zone. Um you know, so he's but I think he's a good football player. I really do. And I think he – I mean, people have maybe drawn the comparison to Kareem Hunt. And I think that that could be – I don't know. You see Kareem Hunt, like, finish those runs, though, and you never see David Montgomery. I don't know. It's going to be very interesting to see just where he goes in the draft. I think that he could be a day three pick. Like, I think that he could fall into like, the fourth round. I think he's going to go in the third or fourth round in the draft. But um, – that, that, that will be very interesting to monitor. All right. So yeah, numbers were through seven. I agree that there is a, it seems like there's a teardrop here. Um, I'm going to go with TJ Hawkinson. Uh, I think that he's an absolute stud. Um, I think that he is going to be a, a big time producer. I think he's just not going to come off the field in the NFL. And, you know, I'm, I'm with it for anybody who's getting Travis Kelsey comparisons. Um, I I saw a little bit of that myself when I watched him play, and um, I just think he's a a rock-solid prospect. Uh, John Mackey Award winner, you know, just – I think he's going to jump right in and be a full-time player from day one, which you don't see a whole lot from rookie tight ends.
2: Yeah, so it's interesting in in our ADP data. Hawkinson's teammate, Noah Fant, who I'm sure will come off the board very soon – he's consistently being drafted ahead of Hawkinson. So at at this point, Fant seems to be the fantasy favorite. Everything we look at when it comes to mock drafts from, from those folks we trust says Hawkinson will be the first, uh, the first tight end off the board. I'm not sure you can go wrong with either of those guys, to be honest. I think the, the thing that fantasy owners face dynasty owners face is, do I want to spend a first round pick on a tight end at all? Because, we know that reputation that it takes two or three years for them to really contribute. I think that's kind of being broken a little bit with what we've seen the past couple of years with uh, Evan Ingram, especially, but uh, just, just a really solid underrated tight end class from 2018. Even guys like Ian Thomas and Chris Herndon uh, gave us some solid production. So uh, I like, I like both of those tight ends. Here at this point in the first round, I'm not going to take Fant. Maybe you'll grab him soon. With the eighth pick, I'm going to take Kelvin Harmon, the NC State wide receiver. Uh, this is a guy that, uh, th- really throughout the college football season, even back in in February, he was being viewed as a top three dynasty pick. And now in our ADP, he's eighth overall, so he's he's lost five spots. Struggled at the combine, did not uh, wasn't able to really. Uh, set himself apart from, from that deep wide receiver group. And then uh, also uh, John Moore, a fantasy analyst uh, formerly of, of (laughs) Rotoviz, dug up some old tweets and actually found out that Harmon is a year older than we all thought. So that may, that may sound like a nothing to some, but from a dynasty perspective, that's kind of a big deal. It affects his breakout age, things like that. So Harmon is a player that's, it's honestly losing value as we head into the NFL draft. But at nine overall, uh, I still think he's he offers enough upside.
1: Solid. I'm going to take uh, next Damian Harris, uh, the other part of that Alabama uh, committee backfield. Just a, a rock solid prospect, I think. And it's going to come down to landing spot. I know that J.J. Zacharison has talked a lot about this, how just this running back class, it's not – It's not super flashy, um, and it's not you know there's no real star star power up top, and it's going to be landing spot dependent. Hey, if Damian Harris like goes to the Buccaneers, I mean Ryan, where do you think that Damian Harris? Let's just say he goes to the Buccaneers, and the Buccaneers make no other additions at running back, and they take Damian Harris, let's say uh, early third round. Um, where do you think that he would be drafted in dynasty rookie drafts after that? I
2: mean, the, the spot you took him at 10 is, is about where he's going His ADP right now has him at cool. 11 overall. He would, uh, he would easily shoot up at least half around. He's, he's into the, the bottom end of that top five. So it's
1: mm-hmm. four or
2: five, six, somewhere in that range. I agree. Uh, and there it, it's been said by others, we've already kind of alluded to it. I'm, I can't remember a, a rookie class that was more landing spot dependent than this one, especially when it comes to the running backs, but the wide receivers as well, because you look at some of these some of these landing spots. The Bills are going to take a wide receiver early. The Ravens are going to take a wide receiver early, and, and both of those are a little scary when it comes to uh, your fantasy receivers playing for those teams. Mm-hmm. Uh, at 11 overall, I'm going to take one, one of my personal favorites. This is actually a, a pretty big reach according to my data, but I'm going to take J.J. Arcega-Whiteside. He's 19 overall. He's dropped quite a bit since the combine because he didn't work out. I think he may be dealing with a, a minor knee issue. This guy's going to score a ton of touchdowns, high points the ball, create space with his body. He, he's not necessarily an elite athlete. He's, he's not going to run a 4 a, 3 a or anything like that, but he dominated – at Stanford. Uh, in, in fact, his dominator rating was 42.7, uh, combining his, his receiving production, both touchdowns and yards. So, to get this kind of touchdown score late in the first round, I love it.
1: Absolutely. I'm going to take Marquise Brown to close out the first round. I actually should have taken him way earlier because I think he's like a top five receiver, no problem in this class but i was able to slow play it and still get him at the end of the the first round um man i you know i'm really skeptical of guys that you know i just see on paper oh he's 166 pounds and then i watched him play and i was like i'm not skeptical of him like marquise brown is awesome and he's like a combination of Tyreek Hill and ty hilton and i hope that the chiefs take him not only is insurance against Tyreek Hill, but to to shore up that third receiver spot that was kind of a problem for them last year. I mean, shoot, they were out here trying to get Kelvin Benjamin, you know, which, which did not work. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I, I think that he, he would be such an awesome fit with Patrick Mahomes. And I understand that they have problems on defense. I'm really well aware. But they can also score like 50 points a game. And I, I want... I want to see them score 50 points a game. So uh, Marquise Brown, I, I think he's an awesome, awesome player. And I think he's going to be electrifying in the NFL.
2: Do you think he's a little team dependent as well, though? I mean, is he going to work yeah. in any situation? Yeah,
1: I mean, you don't want the Bills taking him. That's for right. sure. <laughs> yeah.
2: yeah. All right. I'm going to kick off the second round here Uh Going back to the running back position, as we said, we've got some questions there, but uh, it's hard to deny the production of this guy. I'm gonna take Daryl Henderson, the Memphis running back. Uh, he averaged nine yards every time he, he touched the ball out of the backfield in Memphis. That's that's hard to hard to ignore. Came out at, in the combine, ran a 4-4-9-40. Um, a little bit undersized, 5'8, 208. Um, but Again, when you're talking second round, and this guy, I don't quite believe this, but Henderson's actually drawn a little bit of first round NFL draft buzz. Uh, I don't quite see that, but I think he's certainly a second rounder, and uh, same story. He needs the he needs an ideal landing spot, but pretty much all of these running backs do. I'm going to
1: take Kyler Murray next. Kyler Murray. Um... And this is, you know, we're we're kind of doing a, a mock of a one quarterback league, but I think that with his dual threat ability, and I think he's, I, I think he's he's got a good probability of becoming a long term NFL starter. Um, and putting him in that spread with Cliff Kingsbury and Christian Kirk and Larry Fitzgerald and David Johnson, and you know they're going to have they're going to need to add a little bit more talent, but I mean. They've got a decent little foundation there. They they went hard to try to upgrade their offensive line in the offseason. I think that Kyler Murray is just going to give them a, a whole different dimension offensively and I think it could be really really fun and really good in fantasy to the point where, you know, maybe we're using Kyler Murray in DFS as a rookie at times uh, based on his price, but I'm going to go with him that dual threat ability is so so big. Um, I think he'll be able to add. He'll be able to add like five points per game, uh, just on just with his legs uh, to his fantasy point totals. And then I think he's 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 a, a legit NFL caliber passer, um, and I, I'm excited to see him work in the spread offense in the NFL.
2: Yeah. So in dynasty drafts and dynasty rookie drafts. Typically we just ignore that quarterback position until we get to round three. But I think where you're taking Kyler Murray is pretty much spot on. Maybe you get him a little bit later in the second. But this guy's going in the second round of rookie drafts and, and maybe even late in the first round in some. I think he's gonna benefit from what we saw from Baker Mayfield last year. And and they're not exactly the same type of players. But there were there were questions about Mayfield coming in and size was was one of those questions. And, and then he comes out and, and basically just rips the league apart. And the hype that he has going into his second season, I think, is actually going to help Murray from a fantasy value perspective. And I, I, I love it. Where are we now, Ryan? We're at 15
0: overall. Let's do it. All right. Let's
1: do rap. Let's do rapid fire for the rest. Right, rapid
0: fire it. for the rest. Now that now that we got Kyler Murray out, I, I like that pick. By the way, Evan. Now they got Kyler Murray out of the way. We'll do rapid fire. Yep.
2: All right, two 2.03, 15 overall. I'm going to take Noah Fant, the other tight end. I think once one of these guys come up, comes off the board in rookie drafts, it's going to be uh, it, it's going to be the signal for the next guy to to be drafted. So Fant at fifteen.
1: I'm going to go Andy Isabella. I. I I think he should be used as an outside receiver in the NFL. I really like the comparison to Brandon Cooks. He's not as good of a slot receiver, I didn't think, uh, but I think it's he might get typecast as that by some teams. But I think he's an outside receiver. I'd love to see him land on the Patriots, of course.
2: Yeah, Patriots, definitely the, the best match for him, it seems. Uh, at 17, I'm going Justice Hill. Change of pace back from Oklahoma State. Really liking what I what I've seen from him, and uh, I think he's he's moving up the boards. Ran a four four forty, and uh, I've seen some comparisons to Reggie Bush, so I like that.
1: Miles Boykin, um, my buddy Josh Norris, has compared him to Martavis Bryant. Uh, I thought I thought that when when I saw him play a little bit more a little bit more along the lines of like the Devin Funchess, um vincent jackson spectrum somewhere in in there in terms of like floor and ceiling uh but you know i i mean he he was an unbelievable athlete at the combine and i think that when you watch him play better route runner than you expect and uh just wasn't featured enough in that notre dame offense
2: 19 overall i'm going to take debo samuel just kind of a do-it-all wide receiver, uh, does, doesn't have the size. He's 5'11", 214, but, but he's a thick guy, uh, can really make plays after the catch and, and also helps in the return game. He went to the senior bowl where uh, most of these players were not because they're underclassmen. He went to the senior bowl and just dominated. So uh, I'll, I'll grab Debo Samuel here.
1: I'll go with Rodney Anderson. I actually have not seen this guy play yet. He's one of the 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 next guys that i'm i'm gonna look at but uh from what i've heard from him or of of him and about him um and just listen to like greg cosell talk about him uh, i think he's a starter if he can stay healthy was banged up a ton in college but might be a steal here in the in the, uh, the mid to late second round just based on talent alone all
2: right 21 overall i'm gonna grab the the last guy that I think might be a first-rounder from, from these wide receivers and running backs, I'll take Paris Campbell, the Ohio State wide receiver. I've still got some questions about him. I know a, a, lot, of, a lot of people are sold on him. He's certainly got elite speed and, and, and athleticism. Not a ton of production, though, and, and really most of that production came close to the line of scrimmage. So I want to see how he works out in the NFL, but a lot of upside.
1: All right, um, let's go with uh, let's go with Divine Ozigbo. Um, you know, I I didn't th- love him uh, just watching him run, but man, he's got really good athletic measurables. He can catch the ball, and every time the dude, he's huge. So every time he falls forward, he's gaining a couple of wa- yards. I don't think that he's going to be a big time yards per carry running back, but I do think if he gets into the right situation, he might be an every down back who gets like 17 to 22 touches per game. And that, uh, that in and of itself could be very valuable. I think he's like a very rich man's Peyton Barber.
2: Hmm. I like that. That's, that's probably a little earlier than you need to take him in in dynasty rookie drafts. But uh, at this point, you just got to get your guy Mm -hmm. 23 overall. I think this is my last pick. We talk about the tight end position with Hawkinson and Fant. I think there's three guys in that group, so I'm going to grab the third. Irv Smith, Jr., uh, the tight end from Alabama, one of the youngest skill position players in the draft. He's still only 20 years old. Complete tight end, can make the big play, can block. Uh, and, of course, he's, he's drawing comparisons to another former Alabama guy, uh, O.J. Howard.
1: All right, and I'm going to finish it up with Jay Sternberger. So Dwayne Haskins, by the way, does not go in uh, either uh, in in our first two rounds. I'm going to go with Jay Sternberger, though, and um, I just I I think he's a really good player. You know, coming out of Texas A&M for me, I think he's the number three tight end in this draft, or at least he's neck and neck with Irv Smith behind the two Iowa guys. Um, But I think he's going to be a catch first pass catching tight end in the NFL. I know that Greg Cosell has him as the number two tight end in the draft behind Hawkinson ahead of Noah Fant. Um, and I, I like to hear that. And I think that if he goes to the right spot, I think that he can be you a know, 50-catch guy in year one and maybe eventually a 70-catch guy in the NFL.
0: Love it. Um, and I love when Greg Cosell gets mentioned. He will be on tomorrow's Ross Tucker football podcast breaking down the d-line and he had some interesting things to say about quinn and williams as well as guys like brian burns i thought it was really interesting ryan thoroughly enjoyed it i guess my only
2: question is if you're a teacher who's watching your third grade kids right now (laughs) that's a good question we're we're actually on spring break we are we're down in hilton head south carolina
0: oh nice okay i was thinking Dude, I would totally be like the third grade teacher. I'd be like, "Dudes, I gotta do a podcast. I'm putting a movie on. <laughs> Here's it's, Top it's Gun. Before. Here's Top Gun. It's awesome. You'll learn everything you need to know about what to say to girls. <laughs> I got to do this podcast with Evan and Ross. I'll be right back. <laughs> maybe, maybe next time. <laughs> hey, check him out on Twitter at Ryan Mac23. Ryan MC23, and certainly check out his podcast with my guy, Matt Williamson. I'll actually be on Matt Williamson's podcast, uh, another Matt Williamson podcast, Locked On podcast, tomorrow. So a lot of intermingling here. Really enjoyed it. Thanks so much, Ryan. Thanks for having me, guys. Appreciate it. Good work as always, Evan. Love it. Also love the fact that we still have three college basketball games to go. It is final four weekend everybody. Get excited. There's no more AAF to bet on, so you got to bet on the final four and you got to do it at betonline.ag using that awesome promo code podcast1 if you haven't already so that you get that 50% welcome bonus. That's the key. Free money. And no, I didn't win the bracket challenge. My bracket's all busted up. Like a lot of people. I think I had Duke and UNC in the championship game. Didn't happen. Really no blue bloods other than, I guess, if you count Michigan State. But it'll make it more interesting. You know, I mean, you got three teams that have in the Final Four in forever. I think it's awesome. I'm happy for those kids. I'm happy for their schools. It's a much bigger deal than if it's Duke and North Carolina and Kentucky and Kansas like it seemingly always is. Anyway, if you're going to place your bets, Do it at betonline.ag and use that promo code PODCAST1. Just got an email yesterday with someone that did exactly that and uh, wants to be entered for the sponsor confirmation email uh, contest that we have on the Ross Tucker Football Podcast. So that's awesome. Other than that, by the way, I'm stuffed. That was excellent. I think we're done here. Thanks for listening to the Fantasy Feast podcast. Make sure to also subscribe to the Ross Tucker football podcast, Even Money, and the College Draft podcast, all available on iTunes at Rostucker.com
1: or wherever podcasts can be found.